0: Okay, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're picking up at verse 14 this morning. Let's uh, start with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your word and, and for the opportunity to, to study and to read it, uh, to learn more about you and and uh, learn more about ourselves. And, and we just pray that as we study this morning that you'll give us insight into um people in the church and the problems specifically in Corinth and and how Paul deals with those and and how the people are supposed to react to to his uh, exhortations. Father, we just pray you bless our time now in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, I think for reading... um, Why don't we just, well start at verse 14 and read through the end of the chapter. Since we don't have an awful lot of readers this morning, I'll show it up a little bit.
1: I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel.
2: Therefore I urge you to imitate me.
3: For this reason, I am sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church.
1: As though I were not coming to you.
0: But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out, not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power.
1: So the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love, in a spirit of gentleness?
0: Okay. So he's been dealing with, uh, as he calls them here, those who are arrogant in the church. They have taken upon themselves roles as leaders. They've <coughs> divided up into factions because they probably disagree with each other, and each one of them is arrogant enough to assume that they're wrong and everybody else is, or they're, excuse me, they're right and everybody else is wrong. Um, and, you know, we've, last week we were, we were finishing up a section looking at verses 12 and 13 where he was talking about, well, what are, what happens to us as apostles? How are we, you know, we're abused. <laughs> you know, we don't have the necessities of life, we, we have to feed ourselves, we have to work to, and you know we don't collect money we have to work um, we're slandered we, he says we become the scum of the world um, and that's how we're treated and he's comparing that with the, these leaders who consider themselves to be so wise and so perfect and so glorious and he says that's not the way uh, the world treats um, Christian leaders and so we, we kind of saw that he was, um, you know, and especially verses 12 and 13, it's not just how he was abused, but it included how he reacted or responded to that. And in those cases, it was the, you know, if someone curses you, you bless them, you return a, a blessing for a curse. And so we see that in Paul's life. You know, he doesn't seek his own revenge. And then we kind of introduced we we got a little bit of a shift here starting with verse fourteen because instead of talking about you know the uh, the conditions under which under which the apostles labor, he gets back to addressing these arrogant leaders, and it starts out you know I do not write these things to shame you. Well, he's been blasting them <laughs> pretty hard, and uh, last week we we looked at. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, we read through that at the end of the uh, uh, hour, and and in that Jesus just blasts the Pharisees. But at the end of it, he offers, you know, he says, you know, he weeps over Jerusalem, and he offers them again an, an invitation to accept him as their Messiah. You know, he wants them to repent. And, you know, we all have egos, and Sometimes the only way you can deal with your ego is to be absolutely humiliated. <laughs> Tear it down first so that you can rebuild. And that's kind of what Paul's doing here. Um, so we're going to start looking at uh, section verses 14 through 16. I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would have not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of me. So his goal is not to shame them, although he is shaming them. That's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is in verse 16. He wants them to imitate him, to walk in humility, to be... To be able to, you know, accept the abuse that's heaped on them, without retaliating, without defending themselves, but instead, uh, you know, responding with a blessing. But first thing they have to do is they have to abandon their current thinking, their uh, current course of action. They have to uh, repent of what they're currently doing, and so it says he writes. Um, not to shame, but to admonish as beloved children. So he's going to treat them now and use the analogy of a father uh, raising his children. So it's a father, he's coming across in a fatherly way here. Um, and we have this word admonish. And the the word means to give a gentle rebuke or warning. <laughs> is not meant as severe discipline. So he wants to admonish. He wants to give a gentle rebuke. Uh, and again, this is as a father. You know, He's not a judge condemning them to prison. He's a father who's trying to correct them and, and get them to walk in the right way. So this, this word for admonish, I want to look at a couple places in Colossians where it's used. Give us a, a feeling for it. Especially in the light of the, I guess I'd call it the blasting that he's been giving them. <laughs> How is this word admonish used? Uh, Colossians chapter 1, would someone like to read verse 28?
2: He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone well, all, with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ.
0: Okay, so here... Uh, Paul is telling the Colossians, he admonishes and teaches everyone, not just the troublemakers, not just the problem people. Everybody needs to be admonished. is uh, correction. And we, and we all need it. We all need to be admonished. We all need to be taught. So it's not, he, it's not like he's picking on just the problem people. And then staying in Colossians, let's turn to chapter 3. And would someone like to read verses 15 and 16?
1: And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing, psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God.
0: Okay, so here Paul is telling them teach and admonish each other you know it's not just the pastor or the, the apostle or teachers were to admonish and teach each other and then he talks about how he heard how to do it with psalms and spiritual songs um, so again it's not it's not like a judge uh, condemning someone to prison so it's a it's a gentle admonishment and that's what he wants to do with them but they have to be willing to receive admonishment. Um, Now, as we've mentioned, he he has come across really strongly. And so they may be thinking to themselves, (laughs) no, you're not coming across as a father. (laughs) So he's going to explain that a little more. And he's also, one of the things, they've basically rejected his authority completely. You know, even as a fatherly authority. So he wants to go back and reinforce that. You know, I do have, uh, I have this relationship with you as your father, and so you ought to listen to me as a son. And so we see him develop that here in the next couple of verses. Um, you know, he says, you have many tutors. And this may include Apollos, it may include a Peter, and this word for tutor is, uh, refers in, in, their, in their culture, they would have uh, one of the slaves or servants in the household would be responsible for the education of the sons in the household. And so the, the tutors would either make sure the kid got to school where he would be taught or he would teach him himself or a combination of the two so you know the the father assigned this job to the to the servant and so these servants were their tutors and he Paul uses this term in another place in Galatians chapter 3 and we look at the look at this Galatians chapter 3 And would someone like to read verses 24 and
3: 25. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law.
0: Okay, there it talks about supervision. Um, New American Standard says, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ. And that's the job of, you know, the, um, the servant would lead the son to the teacher to make sure they got there. Um, but he said, now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. We, don't, we, we, go, on, we go on our own and seek to learn on our own. Um, but they had tutors that did that. Um, and he said, you know, you've had people leading you to, the, to Christ, leading you to the truth, leading you to this. But did any of them um, basically bring them into spiritual birth? They already had become Christians. They already had become born again. And then these tutors helped them to grow and understand. Who was it that brought them basically into to birth as a Christian. It's Paul with the gospel, right? Um, he's their spiritual father. And it, and again he says in it, um, in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. So it's in Christ and it's through the gospel. But he has that relationship with him. I, I brought you to the I brought you into the faith. I brought you the gospel, you believed, and so you and so you became children of God. But in a sense, he's their spiritual father. Um, I've mentioned before, I think, the, the fellow in uh, junior college who, you know, I was living in a dorm and he came into my room and asked, how can I get to know God? <laughs> so 50 years later, I called him up and I found he just retired as a pastor in Hawaii. And I, I, it, it crossed my mind that I should say, well... <laughs> To tease him about being his spiritual father, <laughs> and I thought, no, <laughs> I won't do that. It takes—I think it took more than that. Um, but Paul is their spiritual father, um, so he truly. So he has—he—he he has this love for them. He has the right to admonish them, to discipline them, and try to lead them into spiritual maturity. This-
2: Darrell, is this where maybe the Catholics come up with their father figure type of thing, you know? Uh, uh-huh. uh, I had this friend, he's Catholic, and, and he's always saying, father this, father that,
0: okay. you know? Or padre, no, which, which, which means father. Fa- well, that means father, I think. Yeah, right in this manner,
2: yeah. And, and it's kind of, looking at it and thinking about it, it kind of fits the bill where they could have picked up on this uh, you mm-hmm. know, as we're taught, there is only one father. Right. You know, but right. he thinks everything has got to go through uh, the, through, priest, through or the priest or whatever, the father or so whatever. Yeah. I was just curious.
0: Mm. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. It could be. Okay. It could be that.
1: I want to say that my my own father was my mentor. He was the one that, yeah. that led us to uh, Christ. Uh, he's the one that taught us. He's the one who imitated it. Right. He's the one who did all that. Uh-huh. And so he did it because he loved this, and he knew how important it was, you know, for our Christian walk and fellowship with, with uh-huh. God. Even though he did he was ignorant of many things. But as he went along, God taught him. Mm-hmm. And he taught him like at age thirty three about the grace of God instead of the working your way to heaven.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: So all, the, all those things, you know, that led up to that. So then you taught the uh-huh. grace of God after that.
0: Yeah, so as he grew, he taught yeah. you also. Yes.
1: Well, 98, still growing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I keep learning new things, yes. Uh. But
1: isn't that something to really be thankful for because, oh, yeah. I, mean, I had that privilege.
0: Yeah. I wanna I want to look at another place where he where Paul addresses a church as their father. Let's look at First Thessalonians chapter two. First Thessalonians chapter two and verse eleven.
2: that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children.
0: Okay. And New American Standard says, we, you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father with his children. So he puts all this effort into helping them to grow. Um, that's at verse 12 says, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So he's trying to raise their, his children to, to walk as Christians ought to walk. Now, in a, in a sense, I started thinking, okay. Um, sp- spiritually, Paul was their father, but in a sense, he was a single parent.
1: No.
0: So, staying in First Thessalonians chapter two, would someone like to read verse seven? Okay, so he, he kind of had to fill both roles. You know, in most cases, we think the father is the one who's a sterner discipline and the mother is more tender. Well, sometimes Paul had to do that. He had to be tender and help them along and encourage them. Uh, you know, we, we already saw, you know, 1 Corinthians 3. It says, you know, I gave you milk to drink. You know, Paul was the one who who fed them. (laughs) Um, And typically, moms are the ones who cook and feed the kids. So so he had had both roles, in a sense. Um, But he was, in a sense, their spiritual parent, let's say that. And let's let's also look at Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, if someone liked to read verses 19 and 20. My little
1: children, from whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, how Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about
0: you. Okay, so here he uses the picture of giving childbirth. Mm-hmm. You know, I brought you into this world. Any, 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 expresses it from the female point of view here. I brought you into this world. And, and they were, the Galatians were turning to a different gospel. He says, do I have to do it again? <laughs> do I have to go through all that again and bring you back to grace? Um, so he's, you know, he's... He looks at those who are converted under his ministry as his children. Not just his sheep, but his, his very own children. Um, and he takes the role of a stern father when necessary or as a gentle mother when necessary in order to raise them. So here he's telling them, you know, I'm, you know, I'm your spiritual father. I'm, I'm trying to raise you in the right way. Um, I want to admonish you gently. I want you to listen to me and respond to what I'm saying. And so what is his goal? What does he want them to become? And that's, again, that's verse 16. I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of me. Um, children imitate their parents. But he wanted them to grow up to be like him. He wanted their sons to grow up to be just like Dad. Now, in, in a way, this might almost sound a little bit arrogant. You know, I want you to be just like me. Um, but one of the things he knew is that he was following the example of Christ. So ultimately, it, was, it goes back to Christ. Let's look at a couple places. Um, 1 Corinthians 11, chapter, verse 1. Let's just turn ahead to that. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I passed them on to you. Okay, that's verse 2. Oh, sorry. No, was... Verse 1.
3: Follow my example as I follow
0: the example of Christ. Okay. <laughs> so Paul says, I'm, I'm following Christ's example, so therefore I can be an example to you. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians again, this time chapter 1, and someone like to read verses 6 and 7 here. And
1: you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the
0: Holy Spirit, so that you become an example to all believers in the Ma- in Macedonia
1: and Achaia. 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 I'm gonna put an R
0: in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, so here is, you know, he's telling the Thessalonians, you you did follow my example and the example of Christ. So as 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 good as Paul is imitating Christ, he is uh, an acceptable example to uh, the believers. And he goes on to say that you did such a good good job of imitating Christ that you became examples to other believers. So we should be able to to go into the church and say, follow my example. Be like me, because I'm like Christ. And that should not be arrogant we should be able to say that humbly Uh, later in first corinthians i believe paul says i am what i you know it's by the grace of god that i am what i am god has made him what he is and he's tried to follow christ's example and thus he becomes an example for others and so we should try to do that too we're all to be examples so that's his goal for them you know he didn't mean to shame them but he wants them to follow his example. But that means first he has to tear down this arrogance, and that's why he was so hard on them before. So going on to verse 17, he says, For this reason, which is what we've just stated, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. So to help them follow Paul's example, he sends them Timothy. And he endorses Timothy. He says uh, it's his beloved and faithful child in the Lord. So he's another spiritual child. Paul led him to Christ, but he's already grown. and So he trusts Timothy to be a good example to the Corinthians. And so he sends Timothy to be, uh, to take over this rule as an example and to remind them of how Paul lived. And Paul did this a lot with Timothy. Let's, um, let's look at Philippians chapter 2. And someone would like to read verse 19 for us.
1: I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered
0: by news of you. Okay, so Paul sends Timothy to Philippi. Let's turn to First Thessalonians chapter 3. Someone like to read verses 2 and 3.
1: And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by this these afflictions,
0: for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. Okay. And then you know Robert's teaching in first first Timothy and in one three Paul says writing to Timothy, I left you at Ephesus. Okay. So he's been sent to Corinth, Philippi, Thessalonica, Ephesus. Those are, those are the ones that were easy to find. He's probably been sent some other places. So Paul had a lot of faith in Timothy. That was, he was this, uh, kind of his right-hand man. Um, and so Timothy is to go there and to remind them of Paul's ways which are in Christ. This basically is another way of saying Paul is following the example of Christ. So his life is to be an example to them, and Paul is going, or excuse me, Timothy is going there to remind them of that. Um, and again, it's um, it's not just follow my example; it's follow my ways, which are in Christ. You know, he attributes it attributes it to Christ. He has. Um, learned from Christ how to live and how what the truth is and that's what he's passing on now this is not new teaching this is a reminder Paul's been there for before he's taught them all of this but they've strayed from it Um, now the commentaries notes especially at this time Timothy was still quite young and there was a chance they would not accept his authority. So that was part of the reason why Paul says, he's reminding you of what I taught you. So he's not coming and speaking on his own authority, he's speaking under Paul's authority. Um, the things that Paul had taught. Now they, they knew Timothy. If you remember back in Acts chapter 18... Paul came and he made, he lived with Priscilla and Aquila and made tents until Timothy and Barnabas caught up with him. And then he was able to go a full-time ministry. So Timothy had been there. They knew him. Um, but he, he wants to make sure they accept him as Paul, as they would accept Paul. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 16, I'm somewhat like to read verses 10 and 11 for us.
1: When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with, with the brothers.
0: Okay. Okay. Um. Now there's a little confusion because in our verse he says, I have sent Timothy, and now he says, when Timothy comes. And I I think what possibly happened is they were Paul was writing from Ephesus and he sent Timothy on a kind of on a longer mission and sent the letter direct. So he sent Timothy out, and and Timothy hasn't gotten their letter because the letter beat Timothy to Corinth. Um, But Timothy is being sent in their direction. He tells them to, again, um, don't despise him. Don't look down on him. Um, he comes to remind you of my message. He's trustworthy. Um, I'm speaking on behalf of him. Um, he's qualified to tell you what, what my uh, teachings are. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2nd Timothy chapter 3 someone like to read verses 10 and 11 for us
2: you however know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch Iconium and Lystra the persecutions I endured Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them.
0: Okay, so Paul's telling Timothy, you know everything I've been teaching. You know my whole history on this because Timothy was with him this whole time. You know the way I conduct myself. You know why I do this, what I do, why I do it. Uh, Timothy was fully qualified to go back to Corinth and say, this is what Paul taught you. This is the way Paul lived. He is your example. You should live like he did. So Paul had full confidence in Timothy.
1: When we were in 1 first, first Thessalonians there, I thought it was really interesting that when Timothy came back, he came back with a good report, good news of their faith and love, and reported that you always remembered us kindly and longed to see us along the way. So he actually had a good report from
0: Thessalonica. When he went
1: back to see
0: Paul. Right, yeah, from from the Thessalonians. He had a good report for them. I
1: think that's a positive statement.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that is for the Thessalonians. I'm not sure that he had... I'm not sure when he came back from Corinth he had such a good report of the Corinthians, however. Yes. (laughs) So we may see that later. Um, Okay, finishing up verse 17. The last phrase just as i teach everywhere in every church so the things that timothy is going to remind them of are not unique to corinth every church that paul has established has the same example the same teaching the same rules same expectations everything every church You know, they they are getting no special treatment, either good or bad. And they seem to, you know, the Corinthians seem to have some kind of a hang-up about this. Because, you know, he says it here. Let's turn to chapter 7. Someone would like to read verse 17.
1: Only that each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches.
0: Okay. My rule in all the churches. Let's turn to chapter 14. someone lay, like to read verse 33 for us?
3: For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Is that the right do,
0: Yes, do you have a little more there?
3: Oh, as in all the congregations of the saints.
0: Right, as in all the other churches and congregations. Okay, again, same thing in all. Let's turn to chapter 16. (laughs) Someone like to read verse 1. Verse 1,
2: Darrell? Yes, thank you. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do.
0: Okay, so here's not all the churches, but at least all the churches in Galatia. So, somehow he has to reassure them that everybody else gets the same teaching. They all receive it. They're all following it. You need to do the same thing. I'm not picking on you or anything special. You know, I'm not giving you any special good or bad uh, treatment. So. so you're getting the same thing and they seem to need that need to be reassured of that (coughs) Um. okay so here he is this kind of sums up how he's approaching them as their spiritual father I want to admonish you I'm sending you you know I want you to be follow my example I'm sending Timothy to you to help you follow my example Let's make this easy. <laughs> Let's uh, repent of your arrogance. Follow the example of Christ. Looking at our next section, verse starting in verse 18 and going through 20. Now some have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. And I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. So, Paul had been gone from Corinth for several years, and some of them, you know, they were beginning to disregard Paul's teachings, they were disregarding his authority, um, and we see that, you know, Paul had tried to reestablish his authority as as their spiritual father. Um, But now he's more direct in confronting those who were rejecting his authority. He says, "Some have become arrogant." Well, I'm not there. I'm not there to correct you. I'm not there to discipline you. Uh, you've gone your own way. You're determining your own fate. Um, you are determining for yourself what is right and what is wrong. And this is arrogance. We don't have the right to do that. You know, we're not masters are of our own fate, <laughs> as, as some writings have said um, and this is what you know earlier we talked about Paul had talked about God's wisdom versus human wisdom you know you submit yourself to God's wisdom human wisdom is uh, foolishness and we'll see a, an example of this actually in our next chapter in chapter five verses one and two um, it says it's actually reported that there's immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not even exist among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. And you have become arrogant. You've not mourned instead in order that the one who has done this deed might be removed from your midst. So they have decided, we're going to treat this, you know, they've got this grievous sin in their church body, and rather than treating it in the way that Paul has taught them to deal with immorality, they know better. See, they've, they've become arrogant. They know better than Paul. They know better than God's word. And so they're going to decide themselves how they're going to deal with this. And they're assuming that Paul's not coming back to Corinth, so they don't have to worry about him coming back and overruling them. So they've become basically their own God's Let's turn back to Judges chapter 21, verse 25. This is the last verse in the book of Judges. Judges 21, 25. I'd like to read that for us. In those
3: days, Israel had no king, everyone did as he saw fit.
0: Everyone did as he's. that's it, it's a short verse. You know, there's no king, there's no, you know, and that's kind of what I had in Corinth. You know, in those days, Corinth had no apostle, so everyone did what was right in their own eyes. You know, um, they, I'm having trouble with my pages, I know it's there, um,
2: that isn't so far wrong in this country this day. Uh, this, this is, yes,
0: I was going to say that. That's do what
2: they want to do. Yeah.
0: You know, and that's, that's one thing that I might say is wrong with the American culture in a sense, is we're also independent. You know, we, we're proud of our independence. We fight for our independence. You know, we fight for our right to determine what we want to what is right and wrong, and we decide for ourselves what is right and wrong. And God says, no, that's not the way of the Christian church. You submit it to me. I tell you what's right, and I tell you what's wrong.
2: You
0: know, we are not to do decide for ourselves what is right and wrong. Now there's a lot of times where there's things where we may not know or may be kind of gray, and we have to make a decision. You know, God again expects expects us to use wisdom and as much, you know, His Word as much as we know to and rely on Him for making the right decisions. But we submit ourselves to God. We're not determining our own course. Um, But that phrase. everyone did what was right in his own eyes that occurs multiple times in the book of judges and that book is basically when you read through it it's just almost depressing that how um, poorly the the Jewish nation lived uh, without having the teaching you know they kept straying from God and straying from God and and God kept sending them judges and discipline and judges to save them and um, that's not uh, not the way they ought to live. So, Paul is saying, okay, some of you have become arrogant, you've gone your own way, you're determining your own, in your own mind what is right and wrong, um, because you don't think I'm coming back to correct you. And he says, I am coming back. So, um, which is another section. <laughs> he said, I, I will come to you if the Lord wills. Again, he submits himself to God's will. But we'll look at that next week because we are come to the end of our time and that's a good place to break. So, Russ, would you like to close in prayer for us this morning?
2: Father God, we thank you again for the opportunity to be in your house to be with uh, fellow worshipers and ask that you would let the lessons of this day uh, settle on our hearts and our minds. We pray, Lord, that we would be good examples to other people that whatever we do, we do as you say in your book, in the name of love. Not just because we want it that way or uh, a, a, a law says we have to do it that way, but what's your way to do it? We ask now that your uh, prayers or your blessings will be on uh, Robert's message today. Watch over us and take care of us through this day and the week to come. Through you, Son, we pray. Amen.